All right, well, welcome again to H2O. It's really good to have all of you here. Welcome today. I want to give a special welcome to H2O Akron, who's joining us via video. And uh, we are right in the middle of this eight-week series that we're doing called Greater, where we're taking a verse-by-verse look at the book of Colossians. And we're calling this series Greater because one of the major themes that overrides the book of Colossians is how great Jesus is, that he is above all things, he's in all things, he created all things, and he holds all things together. And he is the one who is the greatest. And so we've talked about this reality that the reason all of us as humans long for greatness is because we were made in the image of a great God. And so as we've come to this series, we've walked through what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. We've walked through what the Bible teaches us about who Jesus is. And now today we're going to move from chapter one, we've spent the first three weeks in chapter one, into chapter two. And in chapter two, Paul starts to turn his attention to helping equip and helping the people in this church, in the Colossian church, to understand what the truth of the gospel is really all about. And so today, the the message and the sermon is going to be kind of have this this idea of figuring out what truth really is. And truth is something that for many of us is something that we long for. It's something that we, we want to understand and know. If you've ever been lied to, you know how important the truth is because lies can truly hurt us and the truth as the Bible says can set us free and I I was thinking about different times throughout my life where the truth has not been presented very accurately to me sometimes you have these different examples whether it's with your kids or with other people where maybe a white lie is told or something like that 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 distracts you and sometimes it's much more serious for me not too long ago I had somebody lie to me uh, when I was on a trip with my son Uh, Sam and I at the end of the summer we were having just kind of a guy's trip. We were spending time together, and we decided that we were going to go to a Cleveland Browns preseason game. It's kind of a depressing place to be uh, ending a guy's trip, but it it was nonetheless something that we decided to do. He'd never been to a game before, and uh, he's 10 now, and so I'm like, this would be a fun thing for us to do together. Well, one thing, if you don't know too much about me, one thing that, that is pretty consistent in my life is I'm not a planner at all, okay? And so we start driving to the stadium, and I know that we're going to the game, and I know it's not going to be sold out, but I didn't have tickets yet. And so as we show up to get there, um, I oftentimes, I don't know why, but I actually have a a lot of times when I go to a sporting event or something like that, I'll just buy tickets from somebody off the street. I'll buy tickets from a scalper. So that's what I decided that I was going to do. So we get out of the car, and we start, you know, walking towards the stadium, and and if you've ever been to one of those experiences, there's always people trying to to sell you tickets. I don't know, maybe I just have like sucker written across my head, and they they know that I'm somebody who's going to buy from them but all the time there's people so there's this one guy and uh, he says hey do you need tickets and I'm like I'm trying to play it cool Uh, this is a little life hack too you know if you ever want to play it cool if somebody's trying to sell you something so I'm like you know maybe um, you know and he's like I said what do you have He's like, oh, I got a couple tickets. And I'm like, okay, well, I might be interested. And and so he says, "Um, 100 bucks for two of them. Now, this is a preseason game. They actually gave away tickets for this game, okay? And so uh, I'm like, no, no, no. And I just keep walking. He's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. All right, 75, you know? And so we start going back and forth. I know that I got him. I'm starting to move him. And then I say, you know, I'm here with my son. Do you have any any good tickets? Like, I want to get close, you know, to this game. 
oh yeah, I got just the set for you. He's like, here you go. I'll give them to you for 50 bucks. They're in the center of the stadium. They're right down on the field. They're going to be awesome seats. Go ahead. Now, I, I don't pay that much attention. I didn't really look on the ticket. I should have, but I didn't. And so I said, why not? Let's splurge. I gave the guy 50 bucks. We get the tickets. We walk into the stadium, and I start to pay a little bit closer attention. And it's the worst, literally, the worst seats in the whole stadium. We are in like the top row in the corner and I'm thinking this guy just lied to me. How can you lie to me? If I, I want to live in a country where I can trust somebody selling me tickets off the street but unfortunately I can't. You know if I can't trust you who can I trust? And so as I thought of that experience you know of course that's lighthearted because it didn't really affect my life. We actually ended up moving down because there were a bunch of empty seats and uh, sat way closer to the field. But for those of us who've been in situations where we've been hurt, where we've been lied to, we know that the truth, it matters. The truth truly does matter. Now, there's some type of people that will say that they're relativists, and they'll say, actually, there is no such thing as truth at all. Truth doesn't even exist. To that which you can easily respond, well, is that statement even true, right? We know that truth exists, if we're honest. As you look at our world, we know that there is truth in this world. But here's the question that, honestly, most of us are really asking. Can you know the truth, and does it actually affect your life? Can you know the truth, and once you do know the truth, if you do, does it really affect you? Does it really make a difference in your life? Does it make your life more whole? Does it make your life more beautiful? Does it make you a person that other people want to be around? Does the truth actually matter is the question that most of us are asking, not does truth exist. And so here's the big idea today that we're going to look at, that we're going to discover together. It's this. Knowing the truth of the gospel gives us a purpose and a plan in life. Knowing the truth of the gospel, it gives us a purpose and a plan in life. You see, the truth is way more than just facts. The truth is way more than just knowledge. Jesus himself says, when you know the truth, it sets you free. Jesus himself says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And so when we understand the importance of it, we realize that when we know and experience the truth of the gospel, it actually transforms us. It gives us purpose and it helps us to know how we can live our life. The truth, when we apply it from the standpoint of the gospel, affects the way that we live. And that's what Paul is going to talk to us about and teach us about today. So you can open up your Bibles with me. We're in Colossians chapter 2. We're going to pick up the pace here. We're going to make it through 15 verses together today. And we're going to stop a couple different times throughout this chapter. And we're going to see what God is teaching us. So Colossians chapter 2, verse 1. It says this. I want you to know how hard... I'm contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge." So I want to stop right there because the first thing that I think this passage teaches us is this, that knowing the truth of the gospel allows us to encourage others. Knowing the truth of the gospel allows us to encourage others. When we understand the truth and what Jesus has done for us, 
It helps us to take our eyes off of ourselves, our own situations, the places that we find ourselves in, and it helps us to be others-focused. Do you remember who Paul was writing to? Paul, the author of this book in Colossians, he was writing to a group of people who he'd never even met before. He's writing to a group of people who he'd just heard of. These people that he so dearly cared for, he had never even met. And he says, I want you to know how I'm, I'm contending for you. There's another section at the end of chapter 1 where he says, I'm strenuously contending for you. And so it's this picture of Paul like down on his knees, almost sweating, almost bleeding for these group of people that he's not in physical contact with, but he cares about so deeply because he wants to encourage them and push them forward and help them to realize how the truth of the gospel can transform the way that they live and the way that they act and the way that they treat and care for one another. Paul takes the time to encourage these people who God's brought into his life, even though he doesn't know them personally. And the same is true for us. For those of us who know Christ, we should be people that other people think of and say, man, that man or that woman, that person, they are somebody who encourages me. There's somebody who's always trying to build me up. There's always somebody who's trying to point me towards truth rather than tear me down or complain about the circumstances that they find themselves in in life. As followers of Christ who know the truth, we get to encourage people. I was thinking about this story that happened to uh, me a couple months ago. Me and Pastor Matt, we were at a conference and we uh, were flying back. We are flying southwest. And so um, if you are like me and don't always plan ahead of time, you get bad seats because the earlier you check in, the better seats you get. Well, we didn't check in until the very last minute. So we were together. We wanted to sit together. And we had to wait until the very end to board the plane. So we got two seats together, but we were literally in the back row, right by the bathrooms, you know, the, the worst seats that nobody wants. And so there was only one empty seat on the whole plane, and it was right beside us. And so the door was about to shut, and right as the door was about to shut, this woman, she jumped on the plane, and she, you know, you could tell that she just barely made it. She was kind of frazzled. She was walking through the aisles looking for that last seat, and she sat down right beside us. We went on with the flight. We, we started to have a conversation. We started to talk, and uh, we could tell that, that she, you know, just didn't seem right. She seemed stressed. She seemed a little bit upset. So we were talking for a while, and about an hour into the flight, uh, both Matt and I, she got up to go to the bathroom, and we're like, you know, we should probably ask her about how she's doing or what's going on in her life. And so she came back down and, and sat down, and we said, oh, hey, why are you traveling? You know, where are you from? And started to ask her questions, and right away she said, I was hoping so much that you guys would ask me about what's going on in my life. And we're like, okay, well, well, what's going on? And she said, I was down here on vacation, and I'm in a really abusive relationship. And she started to pour her heart out to us about all that was going on in her life. And she said, I tried to leave this guy a number of different times, but I just jumped on this flight because he got arrested last night. We're at the hotel. He started yelling at me. He took all my stuff. He threw it out over the balcony. The police had to come. And so I'm leaving my vacation. I'm going home. She's like, I just don't know what to do. And I said, man, that sounds like such a hard situation we started talking to her a little bit more and as the conversation went on it all of a sudden turned spiritual she said I heard you guys talking about church and God and she said what's what's the story with that and we're like well we're actually pastors and she started to cry she's like just last week I went to church for the first time in a really long time 
And the pastor asked if anybody wanted to accept Christ. And, and I stood up and I accepted Jesus. And we're like, do you think that it's a coincidence that we're all sitting here in the back of this plane by the smelly bathroom because we weren't organized and talking to you. And so we got to just encourage her. We got to speak truth into her life. We have to say, you deserve better than that. God loves you and he cares for you. And he doesn't want people in your life that are continually tearing you down, but he wants you to surround yourself with people that are building you up. And as I think about that story, I think, you know, it wasn't because Matt and I just had this wise wisdom. The only way we're able to encourage her and point her forward is because we know the truth of the gospel. It's her only hope in her situation. And as we got off the plane, we're in the middle of the Detroit airport, and we said, let's pray for you. And there's all these people walking all around us, and Matt and I are just there praying for this lady, saying, we want you to know how much God loves you and cares for you. We don't know her. I've never talked to her since. But I know that God brought us into her life in that time for a reason to encourage her. And that's what Paul is doing here with this church. And I wonder, I wonder for us, if we've truly experienced the truth of the gospel, if you've taken steps of faith to open your eyes to the situations around you and see who God might be asking you to speak truth and love and encouragement into. Let's jump back in. Colossians chapter two. Let's look at verse four. It says this. It says, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. So he's talking about the truth of the gospel. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent in the body, I am present with you in spirit and to delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm in your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you receive Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow or deceptive philosophies which depend on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than Christ. See, the second point is this. Knowing the truth of the gospel keeps us from being deceived. Knowing the truth of the gospel keeps us from being deceived. See, Paul said a lot of different things in those few verses. But one of the things that I want to point out is he says, See to it that no one takes you captive by hollow and deceptive philosophies which depend on human traditions rather than on Christ. See, Paul is saying there is truth in this world. There is a spiritual truth, and that spiritual truth is tied to the greatest one who is Jesus Christ. And he says, there's lots of other people out there that are teaching different things. If you remember back to the intro of this series, there were people that were teaching Jesus is a good starting point, but you need to keep adding more religious spiritual opportunities to keep growing. Jesus is a good place to start, but you need more and more of other things if you really want to be mature. And Paul says, listen, people who are saying that are deceptive because there's nothing that needs to be added to the gospel. When you base your reality of who you are and what's been done for you in Christ, there's nothing else that needs to be added to that. Paul's saying there are oftentimes in our world, and I think the same is true even now, 2,000 years later, 
where people out of malice intent or maybe even out of good intent are tempted or tempt us to stray away from what the Bible teaches about Jesus. Do you know that we live in a world that has many counterfeit gospels? Meaning that there are many things just like what was going on in the Colossian church that are saying things that Jesus isn't quite good enough, he's a good starting place, or you need to add some more religion to him if you want to really be spiritual. There's many counterfeit truths that are out there. And Paul says, I'm praying for you that you would know the word of God so that you won't be deceived. You won't be deceived by something that's not real, that's not counterfeit, that doesn't lead to abundant life, but leads to bondage because you're continually trying to perform for this God who already did everything for you. You know, maybe you've heard this analogy before, but when you think about like the the counterfeit gospels that are out there, sometimes people think, well, the best way to to avoid them is to, to study every false truth that's possibly out there so that you can guard against them. But what Paul is saying here and what I think has been confirmed throughout the course of history is the best way to to counter counterfeit gospels is to know the Bible inside and out. It's not learn more of the false things so that you can protect yourself from them. It's learn more of the truth so that you can continue to guard your heart and your mind from these deceptive realities. Maybe you've heard the analogy before, but when you think about counterfeit money, I have a $100 bill right here, you know? Maybe you've heard of what people do who try to figure out whether money is real or counterfeit. A lot of people think people who are trying to figure out whether money is counterfeit or whether currency is counterfeit is they go and study the the bad currency. They go and study the fake stuff. The, the, The opposite is actually true. Professionals who are experts in understanding what's counterfeit and what's real, they study one thing. They study the real thing. And so they'll get the the currency and they'll look at it and they'll hold it up to the light and you see the strip that's right here and you see the, the face of the president that's right here and you study the real thing and you become so acquainted with the real thing that you know it inside and out. And so whatever false counterfeit currency is thrown at you, you right away say, that doesn't match up with what's real. That doesn't match up with what's true. That's deceptive. That's fake That's worth nothing. And Paul is encouraging us here in the gospel. I pray that you're rooted in Christ. Don't go chasing and trying to figure out all the different things that are out there that aren't real. Just study the truth of the gospel. Just know and own who Jesus is in your life and see how it transforms you. And the more you fall in love with the gospel, the more you preach the gospel to yourself, the more you tell the people in your life, both people who already know Jesus and don't, the gospel over and over again that you're loved, that you're forgiven, that you're redeemed, not because of yourself, but because of the blood of Jesus, the more that you live in that, the quicker you're able to recognize the false things that are taught, the deceptive things that are told to us about who we are and who God is. Know the truth inside and out so that you can fight against the false gospels that are presented to us. Let's jump back in. Colossians, picking back up in verse 9, it says this. He goes on to kind of expound on what that gospel is. He says, For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. 
I want to talk about the greatest one, Jesus, who's walking on that earth and who had just walked on earth not too long before this was written. He says, in Jesus Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. So Jesus Christ is the God of the universe, is what Paul is saying here. In Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by flesh, but was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. You see, third, knowing the truth of the gospel allows us to walk in freedom. Knowing the truth of the gospel allows us to walk in freedom. See, the fullness of Christ allows us to experience fullness in life. Have you ever found yourself saying these words? I know that I have. I feel a little bit empty right now. I don't feel as alive as I want to feel. I don't feel as full as I want to feel. Well, what Paul is telling us here is that our fullness, our freedom, our richness of life is based in the richness and fullness of Jesus Christ. And so when we base our life on the fullness of Christ, then we get to experience that full and abundant life that Jesus has already provided for us. See, sometimes when you're, when you're feeling kind of empty and you try to take it upon yourself to fill yourself back up, it leads you to feel even more empty. But Paul's saying there's a place where you can get filled up right away because of the fact that Jesus has already completed the finished work of the cross. That's what gives us freedom in this world. That's what gives us freedom in this life. You are complete in him, is what Paul says. So we're not complete on our own. We're not free on our own, but we're complete in him. Paul talks about baptism. I think it's fitting because we're talking about baptism here at H2O. We're going to have a baptism here in a couple weeks. And Paul says this baptism is a picture of the freedom that you have. So when you think of baptism, when you're sitting up in the, the, the baptismal tub and, and you're sitting there before you get baptized, it's a picture of your old life. It's a picture of your life where you're stuck in your sin and your brokenness and your pain. And when you go underneath the water, it's a picture of the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. The fullness that he offers us. The freedom that he offers us. And when we come back up out of the water, it's a picture of a new creation. Free through Jesus and what he has done for us. You see, understanding the gospel leads us to walk and live in freedom. And fullness. Galatians 5.1, it says, It is for freedom that you've been set free. So don't be burdened by the yoke of slavery any longer. And some of us are still living, even though we've heard the gospel, even though maybe we've accepted the gospel, we're still living this life that's more like bondage than freedom. Paul says, when you know the truth of the gospel, it leads you closer and closer to freedom. You know, there's this legend, this story. It's not a true story, but it's, it's a cool picture of what can happen when we experience freedom. It's a, a story of a, of a liberated slave in Abraham Lincoln. And, and the story goes that this liberated slave came to Abraham Lincoln after the Civil War. 
and he was thankful for his new freedom that he had been granted, but he said, I'm not going to accept that freedom as a gift. I want to pay you for the freedom that you helped to provide for me. And so the liberated slave puts a silver dollar down on Abraham Lincoln's desk. And Abraham Lincoln says, you know, you can't understand the reality of freedom by trying to pay for it. He says, there's nothing that you can do. There's no amount of money that you can give that will pay for your freedom. And he says, but, but, but I want to work for it. I want to do something for it. And Abraham Lincoln says, your freedom has been paid for in blood already. And he takes him to the view of the cemetery where, where hundreds and thousands of soldiers' graves lie. And he says, there is the payment for your freedom. It's already been paid for. There's nothing more that you can do. And the liberated slave says, well, then what should I do? What can I possibly do to, to repay that type of sacrifice? And he says, just go and live like a free man. Go and actually experience and live in the freedom that has been paid for for you. That's the only thing that you can do to show honor for the people who died for your very freedom. And I think the same is true with us in the gospel. When we ask the question, well, God, what can I do for you to try to pay for that gift of salvation, to try to pay for that freedom that you've given me? What the gospel says is we get to go and enjoy the freedom that Jesus has already given us. We've been set free for the sake of freedom. So what? Don't live in bondage any longer. The fullness of Christ leads us to freedom, to walk and experience the gospel. Let's close up with this last section. Verse 13 says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins having canceled the charge of legal indebtedness, which stood against all of us, condemning us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. You see, fourth and finally, knowing the truth of the gospel allows us to know our standing with God. Knowing the truth of the gospel allows us to stand before God and not because of anything that we've done, but because of what? The power of the gospel, our legal indebtedness has been canceled because of Jesus. Do you know that your sin, your sin, if left unforgiven, is like this debt that we owe? And a debt that we could never repay. But Jesus going to the cross paid that debt for us. And now, for those of us who have accepted Christ, we get to stand before God in freedom, knowing that our standing before him is a child of God. A child of God. Someone who's loved. Someone who's invited into the family. Someone who's unconditionally cared for because of the power of the gospel. See, we know our standing before God when we know the truth of the gospel and it affects the way that we live, it affects the way that we love one another, it affects the way that we encourage one another and it affects the way that we interact with others in our world. So let's pray, let's invite the band up and let's continue to sing about that truth of the gospel.